It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. It's been a demanding past couple of years in an already demanding field of education. Educators face burnout, schools face vacancies, and we welcome many new educators to our profession, and some are even new to our faith. And despite generations of being underpaid, talented, mission-driven, and hardworking educators still fill our Catholic schools. Join me on a virtual tour to Loyola Marymount, Lewis University, and Diocese of Dallas as we sit down to discuss how to work together to support teacher success and well-being. I'm Laura McDonald, and this is NCEA Podcast Convention Edition. Joining me today are Emmy Robison, Vice Principal at St. Rita School in the Diocese of Dallas. Hi. Dr. Jennifer Buss, Professor, Director of the Institute for the Advancement of Catholic and Lasallian Education and Catholic Educators Program at Lewis University. Welcome, everybody. Dr. Lauren Casilla, Professor and Director of the Catholic School Leadership Academy and the Masters of Arts in Educational Leadership at Loyola Marymount. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for sharing your day with our NCEA listeners. We have a lot to discuss today, but first I want to let our listeners know that all three of you will be presenting at NCEA 2023 in Dallas, Texas, where participants will have over 150 professional learning sessions to choose from, covering nine learning tracks and all four Nesbeck domains. I'll share how to register when we get to the end of the podcast, but we have a lot to talk about, so let's start. Lauren, let's start with you. At convention, you you Mm -hmm. will be presenting Examining Teacher Stress and Burnout, a Catholic Response for Educators. So I know during this session, you're going to be talking a little bit about findings from a 2022 national Mm -hmm. research. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about this and um, teachers' perceptions. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Laura, for having this conversation. Hello to all of our teachers. We can't wait to see you in person um, at convention. My doctoral student and I, Nina Benegas, were in the final stages of presenting her research. So this is a sneak preview. The study is entitled this, Are the Teachers All Right? An Investigation into High School Teachers' Use of Emotional Labor in the COVID-19 Context and their role in their professional experiences. Really the purpose of of the study was to understand how teachers are understanding their stressors, their management of their emotions and their responses to the additional job responsibilities um, that came on their plates um, in in pandemic era teaching. And we sought to put teachers at the center. And I will say, Laura, in interviewing um, the 16 teachers across the U.S., both in traditional public, charter, and Catholic high schools, you know, we thought that it would be a study of teachers really employing some great emotional labor strategies and therefore kind of avoiding burnout. And as as my, my fellow colleagues on the call know, in qualitative exploratory research, you don't really know what you're going to find. And I think what's interesting is that, um, you know, Nina surfaced some trends in that all teachers across all of these 16 
16 teachers in their different um, settings, despite all of the emotional labor strategies that they sought to employ, it was not enough to ward off elements of burnout. And teachers were able, Nina really looked to see what was additional, what was extra. And we know in the Danielson teaching framework, we have domains, we have planning and prep, we've got learning environments, we've got principal teaching, like engaging in reflective practice. And then of course we have, you know, the learning experiences that the teachers need to um, engage students in learning and more of the instructional. What was extra is what we found. So I'll just share a couple. The additional job demands based on what is usually present for teachers was all of the extra designing of virtual instruction materials, all of the extra health and safety measures, the enforcement of all the pandemic protocols, the additional parent expectations for all the communication they needed to do, the additional SEL kind of work that they were expected to do in their classrooms. Um, And I think partly is what we also found was job autonomy and control felt lessened, that teachers really felt the strain of um, more oversight of lesson planning um, that they hadn't experienced in the past. So just that's just the start of the conversation. And we can kind of share more about um, what we kind of thought teachers can do. And ultimately, um, what I think Nina beautifully shares, and which I'll be sharing at the um, at convention, is what are some things now that leaders and administrators can do um, to help teachers with these additional job demands? Um, And that's really ultimately the finding is that there's really not any more labor strategies that teachers (laughs) can employ to avoid the consequence of really feeling some emotional burnout. And the one one key beautiful finding in this was that we have a couple of participants serving in our Catholic schools and their, their relationship with their students was probably the, the key piece that kept them going. In addition to that, it was the prayer. It was the experience of praying with their students. That was probably the most effective deep, deep acting strategy that they had. So the, the kind of bright spot in the piece was that, um, that prayer surfaced for us as Catholic school educators, as um, we can't really say this, it's more anecdotal, but that it was an effective uh, emotional labor strategy. Absolutely. Absolutely. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could write books and books and have many webinars and a whole podcast year on this subject, but mm-hmm. When we think about it, how can our administrators be more mindful of our teachers' needs? Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I know my colleagues were, we're working on this right now in our teacher <laughs> and leadership prep. Um, I'll just say I just served on a three-day accreditation visit to an elementary school um, here in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And our teachers are working tremendously hard with new curriculum. They're doing adaptive programs. They're trying to group students. They are working with new software, new technology. And as our administrators right now are prepping and planning, we know that all administrators now are in the 2023-24 school year, and we're looking at what our faculty days look like. It's critically important to, um, 
to watch our goals for the year and, and ensure that we're not in addition to all of the emotional labor strategies that students need, that we're not only solely making that a, the, in the classroom responsibility, that there's teams, that there's a team of people to help teachers with their students' emotional labor strategies. Um, that new curriculum is given time to like breathe and we, we have to learn new curriculum before we can start differentiating with it really effectively. Right. So having a more of a long view on for our teachers, because we as, I mean, the, the three of us, all of our guests, we're teaching too. We need time. We need a little bit of a long view to say, how long is it going to take me to know the curriculum, to differentiate? Um, all that being said, it's a state of urgency right now to get our kids at proficient and highly proficient in reading and math. Right. So I think it's like a collective understanding that this is going to take time. And we we are not going to sacrifice the faith formation and the great school culture that's needed to make sure that that happens. Because so, we know that's foundational mm-hmm. for everything else. Critical. So we need, so our administrators need to be mindful of time. They mm-hmm. need to be mindful of not too many areas to quote focus upon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so how can our teachers take initiative mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura, and the indignation spirituality, like you don't even say priorities now, we say preferences because priorities, it's like we can't have 20 priorities, right? Yes. It's like, what are the preferences for yes. the year? So um, we're, it's like a mind mind shift about like our, our, pri- like our preferences are already to always to build culture. I think for teachers, what's helpful, um, hopefully the findings of the study will say, yes, this is validating why no matter how many brain breaks I take or deep breathing strategies that I'm doing, this still feels very hard. And it's not going to, and I do a lot of SEL PD. It's not just give teachers more SEL PD, but (laughs) I want teachers to feel, and I'm working with administrators to listen and be able to, to be realistic and for teachers to feel like they can come in and say that these are the two preferences or the goals that I'm working on this year. I really want to have time and space to focus on these things. And I hope there's a culture of collaboration in mm-hmm. what the teachers really know that the students need, because they are ultimately um, the most important pieces of this whole puzzle working with students. Um, and I think teachers too, um, for them to be able to connect hopefully with other faculty members in safe spaces to say, these are, this is what's hard about Zoomers and rumors still. And this is what's hard about going from online, hybrid, small group, blended learning to just really have space before we start planning ahead. Like we've just got to let people have a space to do that without problem solving. That was like a key piece that Nina found that teachers just needed to, to let it go, to release it. And then to also um, hopefully have studies now that are coming out to help make sense of why is this so hard? Well, it was hard before and it just got a hundred times harder. So if you're feeling burned out, um, yeah, you should we'll get probably yes, yes. get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Lauren. Um, and, and thank you to Nina for all her great work that she's yes. doing. Yes. And she just had a baby. So that's okay. I'm going to preview my <laughs> shout out. Nina and Joey, he's one month old. So hi, Nina and Joey. Yes. Yes, hello out there. All right, Emmy, I think that's good lead into your session. You know, I 
we chose these sessions for today's podcast because you all touch on some of the same challenges and areas of growth we need in our schools, but you're kind of coming at them from different directions. So Emmy Robinson will be at convention talking about exploring an innovative teacher coaching model to reduce, reduce burnout. So give us a little bit of information about your session, um, Emmy. So um, a little bit of background about myself. Um, I'm a current vice principal in the Diocese of Dallas uh, at St. Rita Catholic School. And I'm a, a PhD student um, at Texas Tech in the Center for Innovative Research in Change, Leadership, and Education. And when I started my PhD, I was really interested in studying teacher morale and self-efficacy and how that contributes to burnout. Because I've worked in three Catholic schools in three different states. Um, shout out to O'Hara Catholic School in Eugene, Oregon, where I was a third grade teacher, Notre Dame Preparatory High School in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I was vice principal and now here in St. Rita. Um, in each of those contexts, which were wildly different, um, I saw sort very similar trends to what um, Lauren described. This teaching is really hard and it's so, and it feels so much harder. And is it even sustainable? You know, the people who do it for 30 years, what is it about them that keeps them coming back? Um, but I was fortunate enough um, by my doctoral advisor to be asked to support a project that is evaluating um, a teacher coaching and mentoring model called Opportunity Culture. Um, it's a national model from the brand Public Impact. And we did an evaluation of, uh, of Opportunity Culture in a large public school district in West Texas. And we did a mixed method evaluation of it. We wanted to look at obviously how is it improving achievement, but we wanted to do a qualitative analysis of the program again to see what is it really like for the people doing it. So what is Opportunity Culture? Um, opportunity culture is an approach that takes really effective teachers who are proven effective by data and classroom observations, um, and you select them and reward them for their excellence, and you keep them in the classroom. So, so often we take great teachers and we make them administrators. Mm -hmm. We make them instructional coaches. And therefore, their, their reach to students shrinks. But this takes those great teachers, keeps them in the classroom, and then extends their reach by making them what we call an MCL, a multi-classroom leader. So they have a partial release schedule where they are asked to really coach and mentor teams of teachers who they teach with. So it's a really boots on the ground approach. Um, it might involve coaching, it might involve data digs, it might involve lesson plan feedback, um, teacher classroom modeling, um, and, uh, and they're, they're rewarded with a significant stipend. And so in our mixed methods evaluation of it, we did um, a large number of qualitative interviews in January, 2022. So if you can go back in time to that, um, like we, every school we went into had how many people out for COVID at that moment. Um, so it was really difficult time to evaluate it, but we did all these interviews and then we applied a framework called the jobs demands resources framework from uh, Backer and Demarudi. And what this does is it seeks to determine how do how do the jobs, the demands and resources within your job um, contribute to or not contribute to burnout. So the idea is that your job is a balance between demands, things like a difficult teaching load, I mean, in education specifically, uh, multiple preps, for example, emotionally taxing responsibilities, dealing with the SEL uh, challenges we're all facing. Uh, and it balances that with resources. Do you have things like support, a positive school climate, compensation? Um, and then it uses those to predict levels of burnout in employees. 
So it argues that when demands are high, they will teachers will feel teachers and other employees will feel increased levels of exhaustion, but not necessarily disengagement. Um, when resources are high or resources are low, I'm sorry, you will see disengagement, but not necessarily exhaustion. But when there's both a lack of resources and high demands, it leads to burnout. Um, so we interviewed MCLs to see how they were conceptualizing a new role. Um, we saw that the role, the, the model was having significant impacts on student achievement, and I'll go over all that in my session. But that's all well and good. But if your teachers and coaches are burning out, what have you done with your best teachers? Um, and I will save that for the session. But what we did find was that some of the strongest resources are the relationships people have. We separated that into collegial trust and professional trust. Collegial trust we conceptualized as saying, you know, I'm having a hard time at home and I'm going to share this with you. You know, my mom's in the hospital. My car is breaking down. I need to come. I need to vent. I need to have someone I trust in my role to share the load with. Professional trust is that I trust that you will do your job the way you're supposed to and do it well. So I trust that when you come into my classroom to model for me, that I'm going to learn something from you. Um, and that concept of trust is a really powerful resource um, in combating burnout and exhaustion. Very good. So, you know, Lauren spoke a lot about all the demands, as did you. Um, what should leaders be looking for when they're looking at the balance of demands and resources? Well, this is an interesting question to pose me specifically as a school leader, because I'm looking at my <laughs> own teachers saying, you know, I think about all of the extra things that we have to put on their plates sometimes, and especially in Catholic schools where resources can be lacking. Um, it's things like having all these extra duties. Um, I think of things that you have, I think what a school leader can do is to really sit down and list out the demands that go beyond just delivering instruction. Go, go take the, the, the regular job duties and then think about all the other things. See where we can pair back, see where we can pick up and see where we can find others to help carry the load. So um, I think about, we, we had a lot of behavior issues last year as I think many people did as we returned to in-person learning. Um, and therefore we, we increased numbers of supervision um, at the playground. Well, that was really burning people out because that was more time away um, from their classroom and the ability to send the emails and grade and do everything that they already have to do. So could we find more parents to help with that in our community? Um, to help with that responsibility. And um, so I think school leaders can really sit down and think about the demands on their teachers. What can they alleviate? What can they support themselves? Um, and then think about those resources. Uh, Lauren talked a lot about culture. It really comes back mm -hmm. to culture and I, the idea of a positive school culture and trusting supportive relationships um, can really combat that long list. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't make the demands any doesn't change the number of demands, um, but it can be a strong resource to, to lift the load a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That research is interesting. You know, um, Lauren talked about preferences, um, I, and I think that's a big part of it, you know, knowing, knowing your long view, knowing mm -hmm. your priorities, and really making sure, mm -hmm. you know, leaders don't have to fix everything all at once. They need to look at what the priority is now and focus on that so that, you know, we're not trying to do everything at once. Um, it also, I, I like the um, team aspect that we're not, you know, we're in it together. 
we're, we're working on this together. And I think that always helps everyone when you, when you feel overwhelmed, knowing that you have a, a colleague, a friend, or a leader to lean on to help you through, it goes a long, long way. Um, okay, so we are going to pause for a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Jennifer about partnerships. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hallow. Hallow, the number one Catholic prayer and meditation app, is on a mission to help strengthen the spiritual and mental health of students and teachers by bringing prayer and meditation into the classroom. NCEA members receive an exclusive 40% discount on Hallow and access to educator resources like curriculum guides, lesson plans, and liturgical season guides. You can activate your account by going to hallow.com backslash hallow dash four dash NCA. That's H-A-L-L-O-W dash F-O-R dash N-C-A. All right. Welcome back. We are here talking to Lauren, Emmy, and Jennifer about our teachers, about building relationships and working together to to help alleviate stress and burnout in our Catholic schools. Jennifer, you're at Lewis University. Tell us a little bit about your session, Creating Access for All Learners. And then let's talk about Catholic universities being an option for our schools for support. Absolutely. Well, nice job, Lauren and Emmy. I feel like I have some big shoes to fill now, going last to make sure that I get my two cents in. No, I'm kidding. And Laura, thanks so much for having me today. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So our our session that's going to be at NCEA is all about access. So we're very passionate. I'm very passionate about special education and students in our Catholic schools, making sure that we reach out to all. But it also includes our gifted, talented, our English language learners, all learners, right? Access for all. So we created a partnership with our local diocese, which is Joliet Diocese. And um, we work specifically with these four partner schools and we have a collaboration. Um, We have a plan, we have a strategic plan. We do professional developments. We send our Catholic uh, future teachers uh, to their schools for support. Um, I'm there uh, to do behavior interventions or strategies or work one-on-one with teachers. And each of these four schools have different culture, right? Different dynamic. And everyone needs something different. But as a university, we have a team, right? So it's not just me. If we need our speech path uh, program or occupational therapy or our social work, our nursing program. So it's a true partnership in the sense that as the needs arise, we reach to our people at our community, meaning our university and say, what can we do? And we're Catholic too. You know what I mean? So it's just like a perfect match. And the women that are on the team with me, not that the guys can't be, but it's only the women right now. Um, (laughs) It's dynamic and we bounce ideas off. Is it seamless? Of course not. Nothing is. But we've learned from some of our mistakes and we keep growing and building up the teachers so that they're going to become their own leaders within their grade levels. It's just, it's awesome all around. I love it. I hope you could come. Everyone come. (laughs) (laughs) 
So how can our Catholic universities be uh, an option for our school? You mentioned that you partner at Lewis, you partner with Juliet. What, what about our schools out there that don't have a Catholic university that they've been leaning on or uh, know how to get even get started with some sort of relationship? Yeah, well, as the new president of CHESS, which is our Catholic higher education supporting Catholic schools, uh, we at CHESS have all of these Catholic schools from the West Coast to the East Coast to the middle, and all of us are available to Catholic schools. You know what I mean? You could find a list of all the members on our website um, or reach out to me and I can match you up. We could play like matchmaker from coast to coast <laughs> um, and get you to you know someone that is within that region or range. But how do they do it? They just need to reach out. And that's all the Joliet Diocese did. They reached out to the College of Education. We had a meeting with them. We sat down, heard what their needs were. We have needs as well because we needed placements for our students. So it was a give and take, you know what I mean? Like, we'll help you here if you could help with our placements. And we have these students and I have these levels of expertise, you know? So I think any Catholic school um, across the United States can reach out to anyone who's a member of CHESS. Um, and all of us are ready and able. Um, and if we can't do it, or if the need is different, they have other people at their universities to help out, right? We've had marketing people in our business program reach out to the Joliet Diocese and work with them too. So it's not just education, it could be anything. And so that's pretty awesome, right? Absolutely. And we know Lauren, former president of our chess here at NCEA, too, um, is very familiar and um, has a lot of background in this area as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so how, how about universities being a pipeline for teacher attrition? Um, either of you, if you'd like to speak on, on that. Yeah, so we have um, a Catholic LaSallean educator program. So it's like a club and organization that we started about five years ago. Again, with these partnerships, we're like, why are we not streamlining this better? Why aren't we making it more intentional? Like I was like, this, it's taken us this long to figure this out, but we figured it out. So that was good. And um, we have over 35 members. And now in their first clinical experiences, we match them in the Joliet diocese. We have the teachers ready to go. And then some of them continue through student teaching and some were hired even during student teaching because of teacher shortage, the state kind of changed some rules. And we had a couple that took on positions in the fall who were at that level to of competency to be able to do that. And now we fill positions just directly from our pipeline. But at Lewis, we're not the only one. There are, again, universities from coast to coast that have education programs that if you make that reach and say, hey, we're going to have these openings, you know what I mean? Like, how can you get them and build them? And what we learned from our Catholic educators is that because we meet monthly as a club and organization, the diocese started doing uh, events with us. You know, we started attending their professional development days or they came and talked about how to interview for a Catholic school or how to build your resume. So it was their people coming and being a part of that too. Well, now there was a, a network of community, um, which was great so that they knew what they were getting. And I think any school or university has access to that, you know, uh, maybe not 
exactly like how Lewis is doing it because ours isn't the best one. You know, we're, we're good at it, but we can all learn from each other um, and do that outreach for that too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think just like each of our Catholic schools is unique, so are our universities. And I know from my experience, um, I've had opportunities to work partnerships with with universities, Catholic universities that had very, very clear uh, programs, very long running, long standing programs. And then I've worked with some schools that uh, here's a problem. How am I going to solve this? Where are my local resources? Okay, I can work with this school or that school. I had nurses on my school site. I had student teachers from a Catholic university becoming full day aides in my classroom. They got tuition breaks. I got a wonderful future teacher as an aide in my classroom. And so we just need to look at where our problems are and we need to remember we don't do it alone in Catholic schools. We're all about community and, and that community makes us that much stronger. So, you know, and share your ideas in speaking with our other administrators in other areas, even at places like convention. There's a lot of great ideas out there and we just need to be inspired and reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, our school leaders oversee and govern a lot you know, teacher recruitment, professional growth, retention, these are all areas. Um, What should they be thinking about to foster a caring and positive culture? So I asked you three individually these questions, and you gave me this very long list of wonderful ideas that we don't have enough time to go into today. But I thought we'd do this rapid fire. So I'm going to throw some of these ideas out here. And, and, and you guys, just whatever comes to you, all right? So this can be fun. Um, working toward true and authentic self. What are your thoughts there? Well, definitely their prayer life. I mean, we got to say that, right? Like, <laughs> not just right. but I mean, that, that is a part of it for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Laura, to that one, um, we're probably familiar with the Simon Sinek Ted talk about starting with the why. And we in Catholic ed, we are constantly talking about why we're doing this, that we're called to the work that we, we feel a connection to our faith through the work that we do that each, that each of us as individuals has, we each have our own charism that we then contribute to the beautiful story and the charism of the school. And I think the more, which I'm still trying to, I'm on, I'm on the journey. I'm on the faith journey. (laughs) I haven't arrived that I need to get my God story straight. Like I need to be able to articulate how God has moved in my, in my life where the Holy spirit has called me at different points. And that takes a practice of Mm self-reflection and being able to articulate it and write it down like pen and paper so that I I can really then talk and speak that way to my students. And I think that's what makes leadership authentic when the leader is saying, this is who I am. Like, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where are my consolations, my desolations. Um, What makes me, um, what makes me tick and what, what's my, what's my end goal. So I think that's kind of part of it that each teacher and each leader that all of us spend 
spend some time figuring out our own, our own God story. I love that. I, I don't think that could be articulated any better. And, and, and I think too, we can't expect it, our teachers to expect that of our students if our teachers haven't had the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. themselves. And if our you know, leaders haven't modeled it for our teachers, mm-hmm. you know, I think right. vulnerability mm-hmm. and leadership and being willing to mm-hmm. um, really share your story and self with teachers, mm-hmm. um, your faith journey, your strengths, your highs and lows, mm-hmm. um, where you're, what you're still working on and to also apologize when you don't get it right. Um, that's a huge mm-hmm. part of being authentically um, yourself in front of others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How about have an open door? What do you say to that? Well, in relationship to partnerships and working with other schools or universities, you know what I mean? Like we have to um, let them know that we're available, right? And keep that door open. So when an opportunity comes up, they're able to capture it. And sometimes even with that door open, it doesn't mean you're going to solve the problem by opening up the door, but you're going to be a great listener and see how we can all work together to collaborate, to go at something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that open door policy, you know, like, yeah, I'm here to listen. I want to know what we can do. And if we can't, I could lead you to another direction or sometimes just problem solve together. For me, this is, I think about teacher coaching um, and and teacher development and the idea being that if our classroom doors are open, and I don't mean literally open all the time because sometimes (laughs) they have to be closed, but the idea being that I'm welcoming people into my classroom and I'm comfortable going into others. Um, When I worked at the high school level, I had never taught physics. I had never taught French. I don't know anything about these things, but what I could learn from an AP physics lesson that I could take back and now in my role as a pre-K through eight school I mean, good teaching is good teaching. I I stand by that. And I think that um, teachers can learn so much from each other. And the the model that that I'm researching really encourage, that's that's an intentional part of it. And I think that that is an easy way you can bring components of opportunity culture into your school, um, which is allowing and encouraging and structuring um, teachers visiting and observing each other in non-threatening ways to just learn from one another. For sure. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. well, I mean, literally having that door open, I, I, I know at one point I found out this administrator, I'm sorry, one of my teachers was coming to the office and looking to see if my door was open. And if it was closed, she'd just politely come back at another time. And if it was closed and she never left a message or said anything to finally find out that she 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 wanted some help, but she was going to politely wait for my door to be open. And so making sure that our door is open and that they also know that if our door isn't open, to come back and, and let us know and keep trying because right. you, you never know who came to step in and wanted to talk to you about an opportunity who may not come back again or get that opportunity to come back. Right. Lauren, go ahead. Yeah, I mean... Exactly what Emmy and and Jennifer have have mentioned on this piece. When I think open door, two things come to mind. And one is humility. And the other is a major ego check. 
mm-hmm. because oftentimes in in Nina's study, she found that teachers are expected to emote certain um, certain kind of feelings or behaviors. So, for example, you may be feeling one way, but you're expected to emote this emotion. And oftentimes in teaching, it's like you're in charge of the class, so you need to know everything, have all the classroom management set to go. Usually people come into teaching, we're strong leaders, we love to get a crowd together, we are goal-orientated, usually we're, uh, we love our content, and we love, you know, fostering good community. But we start as novice teachers, and I think we kind of, the piece that I'm bringing to leadership too is a sense of humility and to say that we don't need to have all the answers. Therefore, when the door is opened, I have to also have an open mind that the experience that this teacher brings, um, I need to honor it. I need to listen to it. And I'm going to learn from the people in the room from our, like Jennifer mentioned, our diocesan partners are, are the experts of their school and their field. And Emmy on her campus, expert in her field. I just, you know, happen to be at a university and I'm going to come in and you teach me. So there's got to be kind of a co-construction. And I think that requires a lot of humility and a lot of ego checking. Um, And I think we've heard this several times, but from a leadership perspective, I don't even know where I could, where, where it's from, but we know it, that the work is in the interruptions, like mm-hmm. that, that is the work of that leadership. Is the job. That, that is the job. Um, but oftentimes as leaders, we, we love our to-do list. We've, I've got the whole, the whole list here, but we know that we have to be present and that ministry of presence is critically important. Um, unless it's urgent important and it's a safety issue, the principal and leadership, we have to address it. But other than that, it's really being there to serve the teachers and helping them protect learning time to Emmy's point, protect their time just with all the the duties and responsibilities. I think that's part of the work of leadership. Um, and, and to really build, build teachers up and buoy them up as much as possible. So that's kind of a long answer to an open door. That's a great answer, though. And I I love that you said that because I can remember as a a new administrator, when I finally realized that very thing, my job is the interruptions. It changed my whole mindset because at one point being a list maker and a planner that works a lot as a teacher, not always, but pretty well. I was somewhat feeling like I was failing when I wasn't getting to everything I needed to do because of the interruptions. And when I gave myself permission to not finish that list and realized that that was my job, that was my goal, all of those interruptions to help, I loved my job. It changed my whole mindset and it made me be able to be more emotionally, physically flexible, available. And and so I think that we need to, that's a point we need to get to as administrators to realize, hey, that is my job and it's okay that I didn't get this checked off my list today. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was my priority today. Mm-hmm. So I love that you said that. So we need to be flexible. We need to ask for help. Um, I'm hearing a lot of you guys are talking about being um, individualizing the support that we're giving. 
which requires us to be creative and think outside the box. Um, and in all of it, we know, need to show care and compassion to everybody that we serve. What do you want to share with our leaders? We have a moment. What do you want to tell them? Mm, this might be for Emmy because <laughs> you're talking to your colleagues. I don't know. I mean, what do you need to hear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I think, I, you know what? I'll tell you what. I've never heard that phrase before, that the work is in the interruptions. And I'm sitting here ruminating on it. Um, there you go. A gift. <laughs> after our week of the entire state of Texas was frozen last week. Um, <laughs> and my to-do list grew and grew and grew. And that made Monday, for example, a day coming back. And my list is so long and everyone needs everything. So that's actually a really beautiful phrase. And to remember that mm -hmm. mindset. Um, and then, you know, Lauren, you used the phrase ministry of presence again. Um, sometimes this is parents, students, and teachers, anyone in our community that we're serving, we're ministering to just need to be heard. Um, we all need those moments. And I think especially coming out of the pandemic where all of our needs are still so high and the, the rug feels like it could be ripped out from underneath us at any point. Um, the idea of just being present for people um, is something I want to keep in mind. So maybe other leaders would like that nugget as well. So we have teachers listening, and I know all of you touch teachers' lives every day. It's part of what you do. Future teachers, teachers in the classrooms now. But there's some other ones out there listening. What do you want to share with them? I think one thing I talk to my future teachers about is that there is a true um, passion for what you're doing. And that's why you've chosen this. This is your calling. Follow it. But also remind yourself that it's okay, that there's going to be some bumps in the road, but always recenter yourself on, but this little moment here is what's important. You know what I mean? Like Johnny giving you that high five after he's had a meltdown or coming to you and saying, I need that. But maybe your scores didn't turn out how they wanted to, but you're going to just hit the ground again. And we're all in this to win it, right? Like everyone is in it together. Um, you're never alone. Uh, but remind yourself of that passion and just, you know, feel that again, you know, and know, oh my gosh, I love my job for these little things because those little things become big things that are great. Thank you. I mean, to our teachers, um, again, just because I'm fresh off of like three days of an accreditation visit, and I'm just so, um, so inspired by you, all of the teachers who are, um, who have really kept this whole thing going, all of pandemic, thank you for staying with Catholic Ed. Um, I mean, I think what I've learned now in my in my old age, um, is that the most important job description we have ultimately is sons and daughters in Christ. And while all three, all four of us, we've got lots of job descriptions, but if that core job description is what, what is Christ calling me to be today, my life, the whole, if we can take a long view for a second, I think that's what can really ground us in our work. It can sustain us in our work. And um, I think it helps us see the big picture. 
So the, the wellspring of that internal work of prayer, um, wherever you are in your faith journey, um, I think that's the one thing I would say to teachers is to go to go back to that and focus and maybe write out that that job description, that job description that's only yours um, and you've got special work to do here. So we are so grateful you're doing that in Catholic Ed. Well said, Lauren. Good job. And I think that is a great place to stop. Um, thank you. It's been such a joy to speak with you today, Lauren, Emmy, and Jennifer. Um, thank you to our podcast listeners. If you happen to be in Illinois or Southern California, stop in at LMU or Lewis University and be sure to drive by St. Rita School as you make your way to NCEA 2023. This April in Dallas, we are going to have tracks on social emotional wellness, governance and leadership, and operational vitality, all areas we talked about today, and many, many more. Um, we hope to see you there. Um, go to ncea.org for more information on this year's convention. And don't forget, the most valuable resource we have is each other.